Well, hello there. Welcome back to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we feature immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories from travelers around the world. It is Monday. Hope everyone's having a good Monday. Travelers, if you are on an island somewhere, on a boat, in the jungle, whatever you may be doing, remember, it is Monday. (laughs) So thanks for all the feedback on the show so far. You guys seem to love the one with Jackie Nurse, and I agree. She absolutely killed it. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. Today we have on Michael O'Neill. He is the host of the wildly successful Solopreneur Hour, the home of the proudly unemployable. You can find that at solohour.com. It is a great show. He's also the host of a new show, The Heinz Ward Show. Heinz Ward is a uh, American football player. Look at me talking about American football like a real boy. Anyway, Michael O'Neill is an awesome, awesome guy. We do slightly overindulge in talking about our cars, but I'm sure you'll get through it. It does get real interesting from there. His story is a great one, and as he's a drummer, I felt the need to include some drums. That's for you, Michael. There's also a little bit of a guitar solo. That's for me. (laughs) Anyway, enough talking from me. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour. Michael O'Neill, how's it going? It could not be better. It's uh, 80 degrees or, or no, it's not 80, it's 70 degrees, yeah. at, which, is, which is what we said, 18, 19 degrees here in uh, sunny San Diego. San Diego, sounds pretty perfect. Life could be worse, I'll tell you. It How could you? be It could be 27 degrees in the middle of a uh, quaint town in England. That's how it could be. It could be, but it's not, is it? <laughs> yeah, you could be cleaning the frost off your sports car this morning. I too am <sighs> a sports car enthusiast. <laughs> Ooh, you are. I what's, am, but what, what's what are your what are your uh, your what's your region of choice? Well, I don't have the budget that you do. So my, my um my one at the moment is a Toyota MR2 Mark II. Do you know the one? Yeah, sure. I think it's the SW20. I think. Do you know the Mighty Car Mods guys on YouTube? I do. I don't know them yeah. personally, but I, I, I know the channel. Yeah, that I love those guys. I, it's awesome. That's a great, that's the perfect. And by the way, when I got my car, I didn't have a budget. It was only like 5K. It was not like a huge amount of money. Uh, but then well. I spent four years restoring it, which helped. <laughs> well, this one of those uh, deals. I mean, the budget for mine, 5K. I mean, this one was 600 pounds. 600 pounds sure. for a rear wheel mid engine sports car. Yeah. Oh, you can't beat That's it. Kind of awesome. <laughs> that, and a, that and a Miata are probably the, the best bang for the buck you, That's can, right. you can buy right now. That's right. And of course, it's Japanese. It's 1990. It's got foldable mirrors. It's got the electric windows. 1990. Crazy. Wow. And you know, uh, the Boxster is the other one, the Porsche That's Boxster. That's right. You can yeah. Get pretty inexpensively now. The, the thing with the, the Boxster, though, is that. They took that car, like that car used to be, it was, you were either a gay guy or a stripper. <laughs> that's who bought Boxsters. So what did or, gay strippers or, buy? Uh, who, that's a good point. They, they <laughs> like the Boxster S, I guess. But, <laughs> um, but then they did, they redesigned it a few years ago and really masculinized it. Like oh, yeah? They made it into a car that a guy could, could drive and, and show his, even it was always a, a great car. It was always super, um, Great handling and, mm. you know, enough power, especially with the S. Killer car. But there was a little bit of like, uh, really, dude, that's your car? Like, that's <laughs> a little girly kind of deal. Um, kind of like the Miata. Yeah, but meanwhile, yeah. they're a total, like, badass race car. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I think so, it kind of went the other way with the MR2. The Mark Three. everyone here calls it the hairdresser's car. You know what I mean? 
Interesting. Yeah, because it used to be really square and boxy, then it went rounded. Yeah, that's the the Mark II went more rounded, and that's badass and Ferrari like. The Mark III, I don't know. It's kind of weird, man. I want to look at the uh, Mark III. Yeah. So I want to look at it right here on my on my Goog. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, right. You know what I mean? It's you have, you have the two or the three. I have the Mark II. Yeah, you have the right one. You have yeah, the correct. Yeah. <laughs> you have the correct MR2. Yeah, there is, you're right. There's something about the that 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 one that really uh it went the wrong way. It did, didn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz the Mark II is 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 it's got a like it's got some good masculinity. I like the curves of it mm. and it's it got rid of the square of the the of the Mark 1. Uh hey, but hey, this is like, you know, Car stories. Welcome right. to Car Stories, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Cut the Car Stories podcast yes. with Hayden Lee and Michael O'Neill. That's right. <laughs> so, Michael O'Neill, king of the solopreneurs, duke of the drums. Uh, let's see what we got. Earl of the proudly unemployable. Ooh, I like all those. Yeah, I like the Earl one. I think. Yeah, it'd be hard to put on the on my on my pocket. Like if I got it embroidered, <laughs> Earl of the Proudly Unemployable. Would it be, sounds cool though. It does a little bit. <laughs> so as I said in the intro, Michael is the host of the Solopreneur Hour podcast, the home of the Proudly Unemployable. Now half our listeners are now thinking, yes, that perfectly describes me, Proudly Unemployable. And half are wondering what I'm talking about. So what do you mean by the Proudly Unemployable? Well, I think that um, when, when you start getting a little restless in your, you know, eight to five, nine to five job, and you start paying attention to the world of entrepreneurship, maybe reading some of the books and listening to some of the podcasts, you, you sort of go down this one-way street where once you learn too much, once you've surrounded yourself with these people, you start going to conferences and you start seeing what their lives are actually like when they have some time freedom and financial freedom and location freedom. And you go, I don't want to do my nine to five anymore at all. And you have to go back and listen to that middle manager that doesn't know as much as you do. You've, you've kind of become unemployable and there's not much you can do about it. So that means you have to figure out the next step. And <clears throat> often the next step is, you know, taking those ideas you have, you know, that you are all sitting around with right now. I wish I could do this. or I wish I could have this business or I wish I could have a, a podcast where I told travel stories <laughs> and you, you actually execute on it. Um, so, when you when that happens, and then you know, God forbid, you turn it into some sort of business, you are very proud to never be able to be employed again, uh, because you have become proudly unemployable. I love it. Well said. And uh, as you said there, I think there's the three things that are really beneficial for a life of travel, which is what a lot of our listeners are looking for. A lot of our listeners have it, but the three things that are beneficial to that are time freedom location freedom, and financial freedom. And those are the three cornerstones of the solopreneur, am I right? That's right, yeah. And, and, and um, <clears throat> the first two are actually pretty, pretty easy to get. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, it's early for me um, for getting on the microphone. Um, <laughs> but the first three are pretty easy to get. You can just go and tell your boss to go pound sand. Um, then you have time freedom. Uh, location freedom, you can literally get in your MR2 Mark II and drive anywhere you want. And then you live there. And then the, look at the, the financial freedom is the, the hardest of the three to uh, attain, but is all, it may be a little more problematic, but is very attainable mm. uh, if you follow some of the steps. That's right. And um, what I love about the show, The Solopreneur Hour, is that it's, it's very conversational. It's very fun. It's just two guys or a guy and a gal just chatting. And the kind of the golden nuggets just kind of seep into your brain without you knowing, you know? 
and uh, it just seeps on in there. And that's what I love about it. You're being entertained, but it all it all just happens. You get all this information at the end, and if you act on it, they're the three things that you come out with, I suppose. Yeah, I like the Trojan horse, the uh, the value on mm. you. I don't like to I don't like to just go out and be like zip, 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 actionable content, and and so I don't <laughs> do that. Um, but I do like to ask questions that I I hope will result in people listening and learning about their business or themselves. Mm. I like that. It's very Trojan horse. I like that. So um, the other show that you have, I think it's it's just started, I believe, the Heinz Ward Show with, uh, let me see if I got this right, Super Bowl MVP, yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver. These are all words I've never said before. I imagine Heinz that's Ward. true. <laughs> <laughs> this is the wrong football for you. So the Heinz Ward Show recently, the Heinz Ward show. Yeah. recently launched. It did. Monday, uh, Heinz Ward is a, um, of American football, one of the greats of all time. He's, he's won a pair of Super Bowls, which is their championship. He was the Super Bowl MVP in one of them. There's only now 44 of those in the world in history. Um, so he was one of those. And then he would go on to sort of increase his celebrity by winning a television show called Dancing with the Stars, which is a reality show, like a dancing reality show. He won that with like very white guy coordination. He does not dance like the black guy that he is. Um, <laughs> It, it's actually, he's, he's half Korean, uh-huh. half black. So maybe that could account, who knows. Um, and then uh, he went on be, to become an Ironman triathlon, triathlete. Oh, after, hey, what a beast. After the NFL. So he's really, uh, in, really type A, really motivated, uh, interesting dude, tons of stories. And yeah, we've just, and he was my all-time favorite player. So it really worked out, and it's a long story, but it, somehow I'm now co-hosting a show with this guy after being, his, uh, after being a huge fan of his for 14 years, uh, me being a Steelers fan mm. um, and him being a Pittsburgh Steeler, great. So uh, we launched on Monday with Guy Fieri, who's a, a chef here in the States, uh, although I think he's probably everywhere now, um, mm. and Jerome Bettis, who's another football player. Then we did a solo show where Hines actually talked a lot about the behind the scenes of being a celebrity now at the Super Bowl and playing in them and, and actually set up, told this great story about... Um, the, the, one of the, the key plays that, of the game that he became the MVP in and how the strategy behind it, and it blew me away how complicated it was and how, how they knew the play was going to work before they even called it. So it was really neat. Mm, sounds cool. Awesome. So your, uh, your travel story, you've uh, done a bit of traveling in your life, I imagine? I've done a bit of traveling in my life, uh, more in recent years, probably more in the, the last seven or eight years. Uh, I don't know how many countries, but, mm. but in, the, in the high double, I wouldn't say high double digits, not like 99, but, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe 20 a year or so in the last, cool. you know, six, I would say six years or so. And that's, you know, having gone from like two or three prior mm. to that uh, to add, so it's been definitely acceleration. But that's quite a lot of travel, man. What's your, what's your motivation to travel? Um, I love the, I'm, I really get into tourist mode and, and especially the, the history side. I love mm. to go to their museums and their destinations. I don't, um, I don't need to go like to the zoo. I mean, I don't know. I suppose that if I'm there once, I'll do the thing you do. Like when I went to Paris, I went to the Eiffel Tower, I went to the Louvre, I, you know, I did that stuff. But my, my favorite piece of that was uh, there's uh, Rick Steves, you know, Rick Steves, the big travel uh, yeah. guy, yep. has, <clears throat> has these, had this, uh, podcast called uh, Historic Walk Through Paris. And I put that in my ears and he actually literally takes you through Paris as you walk around the city. That's so cool. Stop here and look left 
and you look and there's a, you know, there's a statue and he'll tell you the history of the statue. He goes, all right, now, now we're going to walk about, and he, he's recording it obviously as, as he's walking. So you're, you're one-to-one time with him. And That's so he goes, all awesome. right, now, you know, walk into this bookstore and push pause and look around and then hit play again. And you walk around, you go, he'll be like, okay, and this is where, you know, blankety blank wrote blank, like, blah, and you're like, wow, this is cool. So I loved that. That was my favorite, like one of my favorite, um, my little micro travel story, if you will, mm. is, is doing those things. And <clears throat> there's one called um, uh, Detour in San Francisco that does a very similar thing now by the same guy that did Groupon. Oh, really? Uh, startup guy, yeah. So he has like all these cool little walking tours of San Francisco. If you guys ever get there, um, I think the app is called Detour. That's and so it's, cool. it, it's just a cool little way to, to explore a city. And I would be like, <clears throat> I think that um, that's for me, if, if more of those would come out in different cities around the world, and that could be like a, either a major app or a major, um, if I knew that I could go to New Orleans and I could just tour around with, with, with like a little podcast going mm. in my ear to take me around, it would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. Right? So there's a business opportunity for you guys out there that want to be, become proudly unemployable. Someone start doing that and then start getting affiliates in different cities to do that. You're welcome. <laughs> there we go. The actionable content just finds its way Boom. in. <laughs> okay, so if you could give your story a name, which I hope that you could, what name would you give it? Oh, um, yeah, Taking My Parents to Europe. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I like the kind of, it's a little bit of a hidden meaning, little double meaning in there. I like it. See? See what we do? <laughs> I knew you'd come up with something good. I think I thought it'd be a pun or, you know, something cool, something marketable. But it's, it's, I still sneak it in there a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's the, that's the O'Neill routine, man. It's got to be done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour with Taking My Parents to Europe. In 2007, I lost both my parents within seven months of each other. And my dad had a cart my heart thing, so it wasn't a huge surprise. He was on sort of a slow decline. My mom was a gigantic surprise. It was a very surprising and awful phone call a few months later. So they died within seven months of each other. I was really wrecked. Like it, 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 it not only emotionally devastated me, but financially it was really hard because, you know, for four years I had basically two sick parents in the U.S. healthcare system, which is no joke. Mom falls and breaks her hip, needs 24 days of rehab, insurance pays for 10, it's $2,000 a day. You know, and it's like when, when you do that and you're an independent worker and you've got to figure out, okay, do I... Do I pay for my mom to be healthy or do I pay for my mortgage? Uh, things get rough. So I ended up quite literally losing everything, my house and a couple of cars and, and my 401k, which is retirement, you know, everything. And in 2008, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do or what I was going to do. I was very sad and depressed and I had no money. It's mid thirties. Um, and I said, you know, This is a big deal. I now certainly have time freedom. I'm going to heal properly. So we had a pretty funny family. 
I put my, I got my parents' ashes from the two different spots they were. I combined them. And I put them into a little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker. And I decided I'm going to go to Europe for a few months. I always wanted to take my parents to Europe. That was my goal as a successful adult. And then I couldn't because they were gone. And so, because um, my dad was the kind of guy that would drive, you know, across country in a, in a Winnebago camper, but wouldn't jump on a flight to Paris for six hours. He, so I said, you know what? They've never been. I always wanted to surprise them with a trip. I'm going to take them anyway. So I got this little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker, put their ashes in it, found a friend of mine that lived in Brussels. He said, you can stay as long as you want with us and that'll be your home base. And I said, great. I, my first stop was, uh, I went to England, actually. I went to London. And they're my first ash spreading ceremony. The idea was, let me travel around and take them to all the places I want to take them. And I'll spread their ashes and it'll just be like a moment. So I recorded um, video of almost every place that I took them. And I had uh, pictures taken. So uh, Big Ben, right in front of Big Ben was the first time I spread the ashes. And it was great. And it was just sort of this cool you know, first experience, if you will. <clears throat> that entire process from country to country, I went to, let's see, I went to England. I went to Italy. I went to Germany. I went to France. I went to Amsterdam. I didn't really go to the rest of that. And of course, Belgium. So that was the seven countries that I went to. And a couple of really poignant moments for me. One, my dad was a little bit too young. This is very generational, but my dad was a little bit too young to fight in World War II. And I found out very late in his life that he, he held a lot of um, guilt because he couldn't fight in World War II, which was unbelievable. I mean... To even think about that now is so strange because of how we, how we are as a society. And so he was very guilty his whole life, but he never got to fight in World War II. So taking him to the beaches of Normandy. And first of all, to see the, the distance that the soldiers had to go from the water to, you know, the, the inner coastline where the, the Germans were, was insane. To that, that amount of, I mean, talk about football pitches. It was three or four football pitches that they had to cross in the line of machine gun fire. I mean, it was just batty. If you've never been there before, um, it's, it's very sobering. To be able to spread his ashes on Utah Beach and then take him up to the the, uh, the U.S. graveyard where there's 10,000 graves. Um, if you've never been there, it's 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 staggering. There's a there's a sign that says "Silence and Respect." 
first of all, the first thing you notice is that all of the crosses are in perfect alignment. And I found out later that they're all in a layer of metal underneath the grass. So the U.S. Department of uh, Engineers or U.S. Army, uh, what is it, Corps of Engineers, made a metal grid underneath the, the, the grass so that the graves never shift. They stay exactly where they are, which is amazing. It's a, it's a visually amazing thing. And the next thing you do is you stop and look at all of these graves. It's unbelievable. And you really get a sense of the sacrifice that these very young, you know, young men put in. If you've ever, if you ever know much about that, go watch the first scene of Saving Private Ryan, which is that exact spot. And, you know, when you walk up on the ledge and you see these craters from the bombs that dropped, it is, I mean, they're 20 feet. You're in a hole. You're in a huge hole. And they had to climb up this sheer cliff. 200 soldiers had to climb up this sheer cliff, and I think 40 of them made it. So every time one of their guys would fall, they would just climb over them and, and to get up. So the sacrifice was unbelievable. And to be able to take my dad there, and I know that he would have really, that was, I think, the first time I cried while I, while I did this. It was so emotional. And then for my mom, we were raised, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I consider myself a recovering Catholic at this point. And um, my mom was uh, raised Catholic as well, of course. And so for me to take her to Notre Dame Cathedral, um, she used to love Notre Dame in here in the States at the university. To take her to Notre Dame Cathedral here or in, in uh, Paris was another really amazing moment. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, one of the oldest buildings, you know, in Europe and, and, and uh, it, it's what a lot of cathedrals in the States are modeled after. When you see this thing in, in real life and then to get a chance to take her there, I know how important that would have been for her. That was huge. That was a huge moment. And then finally, the, the Vatican. I, I was able to take them to the Vatican. The funny thing is about, about when, you, when you're going around and you're spreading ashes, you're not allowed to in a lot of places. I mean, everybody wants to do that with their, their loved ones. So I had to go a little Shawshank Redemption with, uh, you know, with some of it, especially in the, in the uh, Sistine Chapel. You kind of just, I had this little vial that kind of looked like I was a heroin dealer. And uh, I, I put their ashes in that if I had to go low key. And so I would just tap on it and and spread their ashes around, just kind of looking over my shoulder. But it was a, a great, but anyway, I took them to the Vatican and had them, uh, it just happened that one of the Vatican priests was downstairs in the uh, catacombs. And I said, hey, you know, I've got my parents' ashes here, would you mind? And he blessed my parents' ashes, which was so cool. And so um, I still have the, the, the time for me, I, I, they ended up, my last, my last ash spreading was at Cinque Terre in, uh, in Italy, which is where, when and if I could convince somebody to ever marry me, uh, I would have my honeymoon there, I think. That would be the spot I would have my honeymoon. But absolutely gorgeous coastal town in, in Italy. And I spread them sort of into the wind off the, off the coast. 
because they would have loved that. But for me, it was the most cathartic time. I ended up spending about three and a half, four months there. Learned a lot, not only about myself, I was able to really stop and heal. Really put that time and say, okay, that that's what that was. That this is, I, I, I'll still mourn. They'll, I'll certainly remember them, but now the the burn is gone, and I feel like I've done something that very few people in the world get to do, which is to to fulfill a dream of of mine and of my parents. Awesome. How'd that go? <laughs> that was great. Thank okay. you so much for that story, man. Really, really good. I do have a question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Please do. You uh, you uh, spread the ashes over very over what was it? Seven different places. Yeah, yeah. Well, seven different countries, and I'm, I don't know who knows how many different places. Mm, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. what was the what was the feeling like each time you actually spread some? Was it the same each time, or were there any that were stronger than the others? You said about the uh, about Normandy and. That was uh, was one of the strongest ones. Was it? Did you get the same feeling each time? No, I no, not at all. Um, it, if I was in like travel mode and I was like being a tourist, sometimes it was like, "Hey guys, check this place out," and I give them a little blah blah blah, you know, and give them a little sprinkle there, you know. Like they are literally in, um, you know, St. Peter's Basilica, you know, <laughs> like so they're ground into the tile there somewhere. Um, and and so sometimes it was sort of funny. I, I had this really funny picture of them where my dad had this goofy chef's hat on and it was cut out and it was in this, I had this little purple pouch and the little vial. So I had the, the, the shaker when it was, um, when it was sort of like outside or something like that. And then I had this little purple vial when I had to travel. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, it's so funny, a friend of mine, um, I'd left it in his shop and he was, they were going to throw it away because he, he literally thought it was drugs. Like he thought <laughs> that I took drugs into his shop. He was like, <laughs> did you um, ever get stopped at any airports at all? Uh, I did actually have some, I had to, it was a little tricky to get out of the US. Mm. We went, like through customs and out. Like they were like, what is, what is this thing? You know, <laughs> but it was okay. Cause it looked like I, it looked like I had a giant bag of, of like, you know, whatever, Coke or something. Yeah. Um, but so no, I think some of them were sort of, uh, matter of fact, mm. you know, and then some of them were heavy and, and somber and, and, and they had, had a little more gravity to them mm. for sure. Nice. I really like that. I think it's a really good idea. Like you say, you always wanted to take them there and, and now you have, I love that. Yeah. It was a, it, it was a, you know, it's weird too. And I look back on it and I only recently did I think, you know, you know, I probably could have, you know, I, if, if I'd really thought about it and really focused on it, then I didn't have the same brain that I do now, mm. you know? And so mm. I thought at the time I was doing what I was supposed to do. Of course, I didn't know they were going to die either. So it's like, that's a good point. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, mm. <laughs> so, uh, I, had I known those things, I would have probably made it more of a priority while they were alive. Cause I probably could have saved money and I probably could have put some money, you know, away and, you know, put five grand away and taken them there. And, mm. I, I didn't, and I don't regret it because, you know, you can't regret what you physically did not know mm. back then, but, but, um, I, I do, it, 
you know, of course, it bums me out. Does that change how you um, how you act about things nowadays? Like, do you do you do those things because maybe maybe this will happen? You know, do you uh, take more chances? Do you are you a little more impulsive because you know who knows what chances you might miss, etc. Um, not only yeah, I mean, unquestionably, and I've said this a million times on a million shows now. But yes, I say yes first to almost everything. Mm. I say yes first. I figure out the details later and I, I work it out. And that's, that's legit. That's exactly what I do. I have the absolute same philosophy. It's, uh, it's done me really, really well twice. Really, really well. The first, I arrived in Saigon in Vietnam and I was looking you know, for a hotel or a hostel or whatever. I got my bag on my back. A guy on a motorbike's just motorbike comes up next to me and he can't speak English. And, uh, and he's going, come on. And everyone does this. And you just go, nah, nah, I'm good, I'm good. And then he hands me this book, right? I open the book and it just says, you're standing in front of a man. His name is Captain Kim. Go with him. You will not regret it. And I, I turn the pages and that's, it's in German, it's in Spanish, all saying all the same thing. And he's looking at me. He's got eight fingers and he's looking at me. What? And I'm, I'm thinking, do I, do I go with this guy? Obviously I did. <laughs> I just got on the back of his bike. And then about two hours later down the road, <laughs> I'm thinking, I wonder where I am, you know, and it what? turned out, <laughs> it turned out he, he lived down in the Mekong Delta, down in the south of Vietnam, and um, he just wanted me to come and hang out with his family, and he, he took me all down the rivers on these boats, we went into the, into the forests, we saw snakes, we, we did everything, and then at what? the end, he, what? He, yeah, at the end, he said, that was great, and uh, I said, it absolutely was, I bought a motorbike there, and and then headed on up to Hanoi. So, yeah. That's insane. You just got on this dude's bike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You weren't thinking I'm going to get mugged or <laughs> cut up or what? Oh, that's crazy. But this is the saying yes thing. I also have um, another story, wow. which is maybe a little long, but I'll, I'll, I'm ha really happy to tell you it. Uh, well, before you jump into it, how crazy is crossing the street in Hanoi? Oh, man. It's <laughs> you know what it is? real <laughs> people always ask how do you do it i've seen people googling how do you cross the street in I, hanoi <laughs> i did i had to google it i i was standing on the corner going i don't know how to do this and i googled how to do it yeah <laughs> you know what the answer is you just gotta Go. do it yeah Make just eye do contact it. walk just yeah, walk just do it and it's the same with um because i i took a motorbike from down in the mekong delta up through, up through saigon to hanoi it took about 21 days and um the the wow. way you ride there is you've just got to go you know it, you, my uh, my indonesian friend said it the best he goes you follow the flow and if the flow's not going where you need to go you're not going there anymore <laughs> it's water that's right it's yeah. very like it's it's like water it's unbelievable Absolutely. it's a wow. lot of fun there a lot of fun it is unreal. Uh, but sorry, so tell, I, I interrupted. Tell your tell your other story. I well, it, it may be a little long for the recording of this podcast, but I'm happy to okay. tell you after uh, off the air. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've actually recorded an episode of um, of myself for the Travel Stories podcast, and the the story which I can do in two minutes for you. I've I've done a done a version of for this uh, for this podcast, so I don't want to ruin it for the listeners. But <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. You don't want you don't want to give them the Twitter version, but I would love to hear. Cool. So thanks again. Uh, for your story be sure to let michael know what you think of his story you're on twitter at solo hour is that right at solo hour that's at correct solo hour, and it's at solo hour.com right. as well is there a side and, up and, on, and on snapchat i'm in snapchat oh right. yeah we're getting yeah. to the 2016 man that's right what? nice what are you on yeah. snapchat same solo same hour. solo hour yeah cool I'm pretty much all the way in, in, in the instagrams 
mm. same way. <laughs> nice. I like that. You've got the uh, you got the branding down, man. That's right. That's, well, that's what I did before, you know? Oh, good so, point. It's my that's old world. <laughs> my cool. Old world. So thanks again for the story, man. And thanks again for the chats. Real good. Of course. We should, uh, we should do this again sometime. We should just uh, hang out, talk about something. It's cool. Okay. I like that. I, I think it'd be fun. All right. Sweet. Down. Are you, are you going to make it to the States anytime soon? I'm always in the States, man. I was in oh, you New- are? Yeah, I was in New York in December. And uh, yeah, you know, I hang out a bit. I'm everywhere, man. I, I, I'm fairly nomadic slash homeless. Right. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Thanks again, man. We should do this again sometime. Cheers. Awesome. Speak to you soon. Thanks again to Michael for his story. And thanks to you guys for joining us on his journey. Email me at Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. That's H-A-Y-D-E-N. Let me know what you think. If you enjoyed the show and you're on iTunes, if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review, that would really help the show out a lot. If you're having trouble finding the review section, some people are, just search for the show again in iTunes Store and click that. There it is. Thanks to everyone that's reviewed it so far. You guys are the best. Show notes for this episode can be found with the rest of them at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. And again, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. I do answer everything. The Twitter is TravelStoriesUK. The Facebook and Instagram are both TravelStoriesPodcast. Thanks again. Join us next time for another immersive, inspiring, and international travel story. And remember, it is good to have an end to journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. Thank mm-hmm. you.